It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the composer for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Jay Wadley. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming. We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. Weird. I'm visiting Jake's parents for the first time. He hasn't been my boyfriend for very long. They really are looking forward to meeting you. I think of ending things. Hello? We're here. Oh, hi. Oh, it's all wet. Hi there. You're listening to an episode of the Next Best Picture podcast. My name is Will Mavity, and I have with me the composer for... Charlie Kaufman's new film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Jay Wadley. Jay, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. So this is a movie where the score is used sparingly, but it really, really lingers with you. So I guess my first question is, was there originally intended to be more score, or was it always kind of sparse, letting the sound doing a lot of the talking? Uh, there was originally supposed to be less score. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, you know, it's it's kind of funny how how uh, the whole thing kind of came to be. You know, they reached out to me initially to to um, you know there was going to definitely be a couple songs from uh, the musical Oklahoma, or I was going to have to write a couple musical numbers. Uh, they were gonna the I would have to write an original ballet, uh, do this sort of 1950 style jingle, this like pastiche uh, rom-com score uh, uh, for the movie within a movie. And then they weren't sure how much like post scoring there was gonna be. And Charlie was kind of thinking he might not want to have too much. But then um, once we got to that point in time, you know, uh, we uh, we did that whole like sort of crazy dream sequence uh you know sort of um fever dream sequence at the end and uh the ballet ended up getting moved and used in a bunch of different uh places and kind of reworkings of that and then uh you know and then we started adding even more and more and i think i added maybe four new cues on like on the mix stage <laughs> so oh, wow <laughs> yeah and you know there's a lot of things that are like relatively you know subtle and in the background and little hints and drops here and there but um but yeah it kind of uh it kind of started out smaller and 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 increasingly expanded uh un- until there were you know uh, a handful of cues but still you know in a 2 hour and 15 minute movie is not a lot of it's not a ton of score but it is you know very uh when it does show up in in like and have its presence it it's definitely it it's like a moment you know well, so you listed most of my, my favorites, so I kind of want to go through the thought process on a couple of those one by one. For starters, uh, there's a Robert Zemeckis fake <laughs> movie within the movie. Yeah. Talk to me about that score and doing, like, a, <laughs> is that supposed to be Sylvester-y? Like, 
yeah, yeah. Like it, it could be a Sylvester or a Debney or a, you know, it, it was it was just kind of you know the concept being that it needed to be this sort of classic, romantic Hollywood uh, vibe and uh, yeah. So we just kind of I just you know, did a bunch of research listening back to the, some of those scores and, and, uh, and tried to make something that felt authentic to, to, to a film like that. So, you know, and, and in no way to, to slight it because, you know, those composers, it takes skill to do that stuff, even though, you know, it can, it can sometimes be a little, uh, a little sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's actually probably going to be a good track that I'll listen to on its own when the soundtrack's out. Yeah. There's another, I, I was curious if there was an intentional reference uh, that there's a scene towards the end of the film that seemed like it was supposed to be riffing on Ron Howard's A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. So was yep. that meant to be kind of a James Horner-esque score there during that scene, during the big speech? Yeah, yeah. So during that, it's kind of it's kind of uh, referencing James Horner without it being like a score from from Beautiful Mind or whatever. But it is kind of leaning into that and leaning into that sort of rousing speech type of Hollywood score stuff. But it's kind of admits um, uh, in the middle of all of this other chaos that is happening. Uh, So, you know, it's not the only thing that is happening at that point in time. We still have like leftover elements from the the jingle that are like reversed and stretched and, and sort of crazy string textures. And I even on that ran that section, that sort of heroic uh, or, you know, that sort of rousing speech score um, into a tape recorder uh, and then ran it back out on top of itself. So it's like stopping and starting and rewinding. And, oh, wow. you know, all like so it's the the concept being it's kind of all of these memories and these sort of projections of 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 sort of what he wanted his life to be or envisioned his life being uh, sort of coming together and kind of blurring and um, almost like synapses like firing and and uh, misfiring as he's as he's sort of you know nearing the end of his life uh when i listen to yeah. that uh, on repeat <laughs> am i going to be able to pick out most of the themes used elsewhere in the film in various points yeah yeah so that whole Very section cool. from the moment he leaves um uh from the moment he leaves the truck uh you know is all most of that is sort of a patchwork um of of like fragmented melodies and like that are manipulated in some sort of way stretched out grained out verbed out uh you know like there's a bunch of elements like all of those sort of romantic chords that you'll hear these like kind of weird romantic chords that come in that's from the ballet and like you've got the uh you've got the uh woodwinds and um and harp sort of playing backwards so you'll hear those melodies in reverse and then you get that jingle, uh, you know, moment, uh, the 1950s jingle thing. And then that kind of goes into that same uh, through those same processes. And then that's like stretched out and and reversed. And, you know, so and it becomes part of this this memory, this woven memory of 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 all of these experiences of his life. Uh, so is that the kind of alien sound you get when um she enters the school. Is that uh, that's some of those other tracks being slowed down? Because I thought that was one of the more unique sounds. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. Yeah. So when when she walks into the school and is is like when she just starts walking in. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the ballet backwards slowed down and like super like verbed. And I think I ran it through a tape thing too. But um, yeah. 
so, you know, that's all supposed to be, you know, referencing the same stuff and feeling like it's from the same fabric and that it's, uh, it's, it's just all part of, of his like subconscious or part of his pretty complex mental state. <laughs> okay. So you've touched on the jingle a couple times. Talk to me about the Tulsi town song. Yeah. So that was another one like with, with the ballet and the, and the jingle, those are both things that I had to, uh, uh, right ahead of time, um, before they actually shot the film. Um, so, uh, you know, Charlie initially in the book, uh, there's like a, 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 in the original book, there's, it's a dairy queen, but, um, we couldn't use dairy queen. So, we went <laughs> <laughs> so, so he made up Tulsi town, um, which is, is, is actually an alternative, uh, alternate name for uh, Tulsa um, because the film's uh, based in Oklahoma. Oh, based in Oklahoma. But um, uh, and so he wrote the lyrics for it, and I, which I just thought were absolutely hilarious and wonderful. And so I, I kind of recorded a, a scratch vocal of the melody line into my my phone, uh, like almost immediately when he sent it to me, and and developed it out and. Uh, you know, demoed it so that we could send it to um, Jesse Plemons because uh, his character actually sings it on screen in the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he ha- uh, so that was an interesting process, like, you know, sending that to him. And uh, and then I also made sort of a, a, a faux like dated 80s version of it as well uh, that he and Jesse Buckley uh, sing together um, <laughs> with the tagline. We're here to soft serve. It was great. <laughs> So yeah, that was it. Was just a lot of fun, and and uh, you know Charlie has this interesting obsession with um, creepy old animated commercials. Oh my god, the clown is so creepy, so creepy, and uh, and so yeah, he sent me uh, a wonderful uh, selection of of things for inspiration to just kind of like see what what those old black and white animated commercials for for ice cream shops and and all sorts of all sorts of things were like, and they're just so weird. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, and the ballet similarly had to write all ahead of time and produce and, and, uh, and mock up that whole like seven minute sequence to send to the choreographer. Yeah. I was going to say, because every, like when the minister comes out, he does everything perfectly on the beat in the mock wedding scene yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So that, that entire, that entire sequence I had to kind of create, the score just based on Charlie's scene descriptions. Um, so all of the, um, all of essentially, you know, it's just like, uh, uh, Jesse walks down the hall uh, or not Jesse, but the girlfriend, uh, the girlfriend turns the corner, walks down the hall and, you know, calling for Jake, uh, you know, she sees him down the hall. They stop and stand and stare at each other. And then they're like rep their dancing representations come and stand behind them. They switch places and then they run towards each other in this romantic like embrace. And then they perform a, a, a romantic pas de deux. And, and, you know, it, like he just kind of describes all of these various things that are happening in a couple of paragraphs. And, you know, I, I just kind of had to imagine what that would look like and how long that might take for those things to kind of play out in a dance, like more dramatized dance way. Uh, and then kind of demo it out so that we could understand what the thematic content was and what the, you know, all the moods and the feel and, and the structure of the piece so that. Um, you know, we could make sure that we would hit all those dramatic timings and then delivered that demo to uh, Peter Walker, the choreographer from the New York City Ballet, who who um, 
you know, choreographed the whole number and, and uh, helped find the dancers. And it was really amazing experience getting to getting to collaborate on that. I really never thought in a million years I'd ever have an opportunity to write a ballet for a film. <laughs> uh, and definitely not for a Charlie Kaufman movie. So I, I was pretty over the moon about it, honestly. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, and so um, I haven't, to my great shame, I've never seen Oklahoma, so maybe the final song was from there, but it was my impression that was an original song that he's singing at the end. Or is that an Oklahoma song? That is an Oklahoma song. Um, it is not in the movie. You won't see it in the movie if you watch the movie. But it is uh, from the musical Oklahoma. And it is kind of, you know, it, thematically, Charlie felt like it really works with uh, with the movie. You know, it, it's kind of uh, the character, um, you know, Judd in in Oklahoma is, is sort of uh, has this unrequited love for uh, for this woman. And, you know, he's kind of you can see how that can can play out and it's kind of a dark moment for him yeah <laughs> that's an understatement yeah yeah uh so yeah so it, it, you know charlie he just makes what's so interesting about this movie and you you know kind of called attention to it a little bit uh earlier like with the with the beautiful mind thing like this film there are so many references to film uh and literature and movies and musicals and all of these different arts that you know are in some ways like sometimes they're acknowledged that this is from something else and sometimes they're not in any way acknowledged that it's from something else and it just presents it as if it's its own idea um and it's all coming from this perspective of jake who's creating this alternative narrative right. uh envisioning this relationship that he had as a younger version of himself that never happened and um and you know i approached the score thinking of those things and, and especially with the ballet of like how can i make you know, things that sound familiar sound like maybe we had just directly lifted them from something, but are completely original. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and hilariously, like, uh, a number of reviews legitimately think my ballet is from Oklahoma. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a compliment. I, I guess I did my job, but maybe shot myself in the foot. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, but really, actually, my in influences in the ballet were were more uh, were more like Debussy and Ravel and Stravinsky. Um, you know, when thinking about what needed to happen over the course of this n narrative, uh, you know, I felt like 
that those composers would, would like their their kind of language would would resonate with these types of events happening um, and keeping in line with that concept of like borrowing, like in a way borrowing, like it's it's in no way borrowed. You know, it's a fully original thing, but it's kind of in the voice of someone else, um, you know, uh, reinterpreted through me. Um, and and so, yeah, the whole concept being that these are composers that potentially Jake could have heard at some mm -hmm. point in time um, and, and, you know, loved these ballets or loved this music in some sort of way. So when he's imagining this dream ballet, this crazy sequence that happens and, and this love, this relationship and this like struggle with a, a different version of himself and all of these things like this, he would kind of, this would be the music that he would imagine to his own ballet, right? So that was kind of the concept of it. So I wanted it to sound familiar and wanted it to sound like it could be from something else because it, I wanted it to feel as though he was he was making this up and 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 reinterpreting it in real time, almost. Okay, when he is humming or singing a lot, uh, did you create the janitor? Did you create it all just when he's to himself as he walks up and down the halls? Um, are those songs you created or are those, cause you can't quite tell what he's singing, right? Um, I, I, I want to say yes, just to like make it, uh, that much more interesting, but, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we, 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 we didn't get, uh, no, no, none of that is like, you know, that's all direction from Charlie and things that were not, I, I was not, um, involved in, but I think, you know, speaks to his interest in music and kind of constant, um, you know, uh, having a tune in his head or having, you know, like music is a part of his life and a part of his, um, experience. And, and, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the concept. I think that adds another layer to that, that, that element of he's kind of imagining all of these things as he's going throughout his day, cleaning, cleaning the school. Uh, before I ask you about the sound design, um, are there any other, specific references that you hope I picked up on in terms of riffs on movies and popular songs, et cetera, et cetera, you worked in? Um, as, as far as my, uh, my involvement, I, I don't think so. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I mean, most of the, you know, most of the post-scoring stuff, you know, is, is all elements of the ballet. I wanted it to be this thread of, you know, everything kind of being from the same material in a way um, and kind of ruminating in a way on on this on these melodies uh, and, you know, in in various forms and kind of different constructions and different moods. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, mostly with the ballet and the jingles and stuff that those are those are like the the hints and references towards to, to outside uh, um, art forms. For me. Okay, so Lewis Goldstein's sound design in this is fantastic. Um, a lot of the film, it's, you know, the, the mutant lieu of music, there's kind of the thunk, thunk, thunk of the windshield wiper, etc., etc. Did you yeah. have a hand at all in the sound effects as well, and what we hear when there's not music? Uh, no, 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 no hand in the sound effects, but it was clear to Charlie uh, pretty much from the get-go. I mean, that was one thing that he and, um, and the editor, Rob, when we were initially spotting things, you know, we were talk like, you know, it, the movie is really effective without music in, in those, in those ways. So I'm not one to be like, oh man, we need to put score all over the place by any means. But, um, 
the windshield wiper was uh, was an idea from early on that that the windshield wiper would just kind of continue uh and and like even in places where it makes no sense that the that the windshield wiper is still there just kind of keeping this concept of this sort of disconnect and and i think that that it worked really really well um yeah, it's very unsettling when it just kind of keeps going. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then the uh, the final scene, you know, it's it, that's another one where it just lets the the ambient sound speak for itself, or as the credits roll, and it's a very depressing shot. Yeah. Was there an, ever a thought about having any music there, or was that always just going to be like corridor slamming, wind, nothing else? It was pretty much just going to be wind and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, you know, we definitely didn't want to overscore it, the, the film in general. And, and the, the main, the main objective also was like steering clear of anything that rang like too traditionally horror score Mm -hmm. or what, um, you know, because it's just not really the tone of the film. It's, it's deeply unsettling and, uh, disturbing, but part of that is in its quietness and in its like isolation or a big part of that, you know? And so, uh, you know, it, it just didn't really serve the, f- the overarching tone of the film to just start slathering score everywhere. Well, man, the score is fantastic. It's going to be, uh, something that when I listen to, it's going to be like parsing the movie itself, just trying to parse the score and figure out what you did. What are you doing next? Uh, well, I've got uh, I've got another film coming out uh, a little later this year. At least I think it will be. Um, it depends, <laughs> I guess. Um, it was June, and then it was September, and I think now it's November. But um, we are playing the New York Film Festival, which is exciting. Um, it's called "I Carry You With Me." Uh, it's a, a new film by uh, Heidi Ewing is the director, and it's a Sony Pictures Classics film that got picked up at uh, at Sundance, um, and we won the next award. Uh, or oh. two next- you know about this one? Yeah, I was at Sundance. I, I, I didn't see it. I remember seeing something about this on Twitter at yeah. the time, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Heidi, she's she's known for documentary work. This is her directorial debut for narrative uh, work. And um, and it's a really beautiful love story that kind of spans two, uh, two decades um, and uh, about these two guys who met and fell in love in Mexico and like you get this whole background of what it's like growing up as a, as a a gay kid in Mexico. That's like, you know, um, you know, all the challenges that go with it and kind of follows their love story and their trajectory coming to New York city, uh, and following Yvonne's, uh, dream and passion to, uh, to, uh, be a chef and, and start some restaurants. So it's a really, it's a really incredible, incredible, based on a true story, uh, story. So it's pretty, it's pretty great. And, uh, so that's kind of the next thing that's coming out. And then I'm working right now on an experimental, uh, documentary called light darkness light. That is sort of about an Anglican priest who, uh, loses his sight and, uh, gets a, a, an experimental, uh, surgery to be able to see through like an implant. Oh, wow. And he starts to, you know, try to learn to see again through this device. And, uh, yeah, he's just a really interesting, really interesting character. So doing that and, uh, yeah, just kind of waiting to see what happens with, uh, COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw like Pattinson just got it on the Batman set and they had to shut that down. So it's crazy, man. Yeah. Pretty nuts. So yeah, I mean, I think I would assume most, most productions are in that same sort of boat. So 
you know, there were there were a few things that were trickling, and then they kind of all just are are on pause for for the moment. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we'll see we'll see what's next. I guess. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we can get back to some semblance of normal production soon. And you, uh, I guess the the limited field means it opens the door for you to be a original song contender for the Tulsi Town <laughs> jingle this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, someone else mentioned that and I was like, you know, I, I, I really should have considered asking Gaga to sing this because I think <laughs> that might be the only real chance I have. <laughs> or uh, get Diane Warren to collaborate on it, you know, just like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we, we worked with um, uh, Deanna Story. She's the same singer who sung like um, uh, the songs from Synecdoche. She's such an incredible, uh, incredible voice and incredible singer. So, you know, very grateful to, to have worked with her and, uh, she's a friend of Charlie's and, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I if, if it happens, I will die laughing <laughs> because get this, I got disqualified for, uh, is it love, uh, in indignation? Why? Because I don't know. I guess because it played on a radio, I think, uh, it like, it started out like it started out like as a song and then it started playing in on radio and since it was used diegetically i was disqualified so oh that's some bs i was like i was really proud of that one <laughs> that happened to uh that brokeback mountain song like 10 years 15 years ago too because it was on the yeah. radio yeah yeah music branch it, it, look it, it's them's the rules right so uh i it i just didn't know that those were the rules so <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh man that that is a bummer. Um, yeah, because that was such a, a lovely one to do. I mean, obviously the jingle is is hilarious and dark and weird and and uh, look if 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 they want to go for that, I am on board. Uh, but you know, I'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk and uh, best of luck with your future endeavors. I look forward to parsing this score is it going to be on uh spotify and itunes soon um that that that's up to netflix so i i i really hope so so if you want to hear it i say let netflix know we want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) i'll do my best man thanks so much Cool. All right, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the composer for Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Jay Wadley, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. I'm Thinking of Ending Things is currently streaming on Netflix. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.